0: All right. Well, you all look awfully good this morning. We, uh put up a uh, announcement slide last week and said wear an ugly sweater and look at what happened today I all I, all I gotta say is whoever makes those announcement slides uh, better use that power for good and not evil okay because this is uh, this is awful and awesome so I love you guys thanks for participating um, as Sean said we're gonna pick up our gifts of Christmas series this morning and we're going to talk about joy the four gifts that the church historically taught talks about at Christmas are hope, peace, joy, and love. So we're in week three. That means we're talking about joy. And so I want to start off with a question similar to Sean's. Um, Where do you find joy? Where do you find joy? Uh, I'll tell you a little bit about my wife and how she might answer that question. Okay, because There's no better way to uh, get joy than to use your wife as a sermon illustration. Okay? Uh, You'll learn that someday. I'm going to tell you about my awesome wife. She spends most of her time in life loving and raising and teaching our kids, and she loves it, and she's great at it. I'm I'm grateful for her, but everybody needs a break sometimes, right? Uh, And so my wife, she uh, planned this thing with four of her best friends to get a break, and it happened just this last Friday night. She and four other moms, they got together, they made all kinds of snacks, bought junk food, they rented a hotel room, lounged up, and watched uh, the four episodes of Gilmore Girls that Netflix just put out, okay? Yeah, she loves this show. She's been um, excited just about the thought of this show, this weekend, just the expectation of it brought her joy. Uh, And I think in part... That joy was uh, because they were going to get a bunch of snack food, right? I think in part it was going to be because she gets a weekend away from just the day-to-day mom stuff, leave the kids with dad. I think in part she got joy looking forward to the weekend because she's going to get to spend time with her friends, um, have some girl time. Doesn't happen very often, but I think mostly she was excited because they were going to watch Gilmore Girls, Okay. I don't understand this completely. I think the only person that loves Gilmore Girls more than my wife maybe is Sean Loftus himself. Um, uh, but we're not going to, yeah, we're not going to go there now. Uh, Gilmore Girls, I don't understand this. Okay. This is what I know about this show. Okay, the two main characters are women. It's a mother and daughter, Laura uh, Lai and Rory. And this is how the show typically goes. Um, I, admittedly, I've seen a few episodes. Okay, I'm trying to be a good husband. Um, this is how the show normally goes. It starts off with some sort of sarcastic, witty dialogue, okay, between women. They talk fast and it's sarcastic. And then there's some drama. Usually it has to do with a man or some relationship. And then um, they follow up with some more fast-paced, talking, sarcastic dialogue, and then drama. And it alternates like this, sarcasm, drama, sarcasm, drama. And then the show ends. <laughs> I, it's, it's not really my cup of tea. I, it stresses me out a little bit. Um, but people love it. And I think, if I'm honest, I think I could see why. I think I know why Sarah gets excited about this show. Um, I think it's uh, because of the kind of drama that they introduce. Okay? Uh, what I see when I watch this show is that one of the women is always having to make a choice, a choice usually between a two different men. Okay. So there's Lorelai, the mom, she has Luke and Christopher. I Googled this. Okay. If I'm, if I get it wrong, talk to Sean afterwards. All right. All right. Rory, she's got three. Okay. It's Dean and Jess and Logan. Okay. And so they're always making choices. And the thing about these guys is there's always some attractor, some reason why they are the perfect guy for her. They're awesome. There's no other man like him. Um, And then there's also some heroic flaw. Right, some some baggage that you just wonder—is it even worth it to pick this guy and all of his greatness? This baggage, I don't know if she should pick him. And so this is the drama that's always there. So Rory has to pick between these three guys. Right, Dean—he's like a nice guy, um, but he's kind of clingy and needy sometimes. And uh, Jess—he's the bad boy generally, but he's good when he's with Rory. And uh, what's the other one? Logan. Logan's like rich and cool, but he's a jerk. Okay. I Googled this. If I'm wrong, again, take it to Sean. Okay. All of them have this thing that you can love about them and this thing that you kind of hate about them. Right. And so I think Sarah and Sean love this show because you just wonder what choice are they going to make? Who's Rory going to pick? Which uh, one is going to bring them the most joy? And there's so much sarcasm and drama wrapped around that decision. It just hooks you in, right? Um, Gilmore Girls, I don't think is the only show like this. Hollywood picks up the same storyline. And so you can look at shows, movies like Twilight, And you've got Bella, right, picking between Edward and Jacob, the Hunger Games, Katniss, she's trying to uh, choose Gail or PETA. It just goes on and on. And I think this storyline is a blockbuster storyline because it's lifted from the greatest story ever written, okay? I think we love to get caught up in Where can that person find the most joy? Because in a sense, we're asking the same question ourselves, right? Where do I find the most joy? What decision should I make? Which is the right one? Uh, So today, I want to look at that story. the, The greatest story ever written. I want to look at the Bible and see what it has to say about joy. My assumption this morning is that all of you, all of us, are looking for and pursuing joy. Most everybody would rather have joy than be a killjoy, right? Um, So we're going to dig into the Bible, and as we do, I want to ask the question again. Where do you look for joy? Where do you find it? What are the things that breathe life into your joy and joy into your life? Where do you look? Um, we could set up all kinds of categories describing where we search for joy, but this morning I want to set up just two for you, okay? Um, Here's what it is. We can seek joy in what the world has to offer, or we can seek joy in what the creator of the world has to offer. Okay, this is where we're going to go. Edward or Jacob, Peter or Gail, Jess or Logan, right? We got a decision to make too. We can seek joy in what the world has to offer, or we can seek joy in what the creator of the world has to offer. So let's look at the Bible to see what it has to say. Um, We're going to be in Luke chapter 2. You can grab a Bible from the seat ahead of you, or you can follow along on the screen. But we're going to look at the story of Jesus' birth in the gospel of Luke, while you're turning there, let me catch you up on what happened um, in the story to get us where we are. Jesus uh, had just been born. Mary had given birth, and Luke takes us out into a field where there are shepherds watching over their flocks. Um, As that happens, as we get there, the forecast for the night is the same as the forecast for any Other night, right? It is partly dark in the evening, transitioning to completely dark through the overnight, and then partly light again in the morning, right? This is the way the night works. Uh, But this particular night, that's not how things worked out. Would you look with me at Luke chapter 2? We're going to start in verse 8. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. Okay, so this night where the shepherds are, it's different. It starts dark, but then light breaks in. The forecast changed. The darkness that usually hung over the shepherds and over the fields was broken. Light penetrated in. The glory of the Lord shone around them. And as that light breaks in, you can imagine the shepherd's response, right? You come over a hill while you're driving at night, and somebody's got their brights on. It hits your eyes, right? Or kids, your parents wake you up by walking into your room and flipping the light switch on. Uh, Hey, Bryn, and flip the light switch, and first you open your eyes to see who's shouting my name, and then you close them tight because the light shines in them. It almost hurts, Right? This is what the shepherds have happen. It's a dark night and they're watching the flocks and all of a sudden there's an angel that appears and the glory of the Lord shines around them and they squint and close their eyes and they begin to adjust. And as they look, they see an angel in the midst of the light. This is a wildly unexpected, mildly bizarre situation and it gets a little stranger yet. The angel then speaks. And the angel can tell that the shepherds are afraid, but he doesn't speak just about fear. He talks about joy. Will you go back to the Bible with me? We'll look at verses 10 through 12. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord? And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. I wanna spend the rest of our time this morning looking at this announcement from the angel. You see, I think uh, the shepherds in darkness experiencing a great light is a physical picture of what the angel was trying to do in their hearts where there was darkness. He's speaking in great light. And he said, I bring you good news of great joy. And so I wanna look at that joy. The angel's telling them where to look. He's telling them uh, what the joy is like and who it's for. And so I wanna summarize quickly for you what I think he said. This is where we're gonna land today. Great joy is found in the good news. Okay? Great joy is found in the good news. Um, When I say that, if you're like me, the first question that you want to ask is, well, if great joy is found in the good news, then what is the good news? If great joy is there, then I want to know what that is. And so if we're to look at what is the good news, um, we go a couple different ways about it. We could get nerdy and do a little word study, okay? The New Testament, which is what the book of Luke is in, it was originally written in Greek. We have English translations. So if we look at the Greek words uh, to find out a little more about the good news, we can get there. Um, When the angel says, I bring good news, those four English words are only one word in Greek, Okay, and that word, when it's used other places in the Bible, is often translated preach or preach the gospel. Sometimes it's translated evangelize or the same root is used for evangelist. So, We could say that what the angel did, if we were to rewrite this, we could say, the angel spoke, Fear not, for behold, I preach the gospel to you. I bring you good news means I preach the gospel. And if we go even further, the word for great, it's a gospel of great joy. The word for great in Greek is megas. It's where we get the word mega, right? So behold, Or fear not, for behold, I preach to you the gospel of mega joy. Cool, right? The Greek is cool. You can start to answer the question, what is the good news? Well, it's a gospel of mega joy, but that doesn't really get us where we wanted to go, right? Because then we just ask the question, well, then what is the gospel? What is the gospel of mega joy? Um, The angel doesn't leave us hanging. He kept speaking and this is what he said. We read it just a moment ago. Fear not for behold I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people and here it is. What is that gospel? For unto you is born this day in the city of David a savior who is Christ the Lord. What is the gospel? A baby has been born. A savior has arrived. The Lord himself has come. That's the good news. That's the gospel of great joy. And I'm gonna give away the punchline at the very beginning. Jesus is all three. He is the baby. He is the savior. And he is the Lord. All of them are Jesus. And so, when the angel says, I bring you good news of great joy, he's preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is the good news where we find great joy. And so, I want to make just a couple observations today. I want to look at how we find great joy in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, So, let's look together. Number one, first, Jesus is God with us. I think the angel tells us that. The angel said, a baby was born. Unto you is born. That's a real baby. A flesh and blood, living, breathing, bouncing baby boy who would grow into a man, into an adult just like we did. that He is a real person. Unto you is born this day a baby. So Jesus was a man. But the angel doesn't stop there. He said, unto you is born this day a baby who is Christ the Lord. The Lord, we've seen that word just earlier in the text we read when the angel appeared, said an angel of the Lord appeared and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And now we see a baby who is Christ the Lord. So get this, God sent God's angel in God's glory to declare God's birth. Jesus was and is God. The angel said, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a savior who is Christ the Lord. Jesus was man and God. He was born and he is Lord. The angel declared that Jesus was a God man. Jesus is God with us. And so you might ask, okay, Eric, I see what you did there, but why does that bring us joy? What? We could know that the Bible says that, but why would that bring us joy? I think it's because we can know that since Jesus was a God-man, that he entered into flesh to live with us and amongst us, he's not a far-off God. Amen. He's not a God that took a stone and skipped it across the universe, let things ripple, and then walked away. Right? Kind of start something in motion, see a little fallout, and forget about it. That's not the kind of God we serve. He's a God who enters in. So let me tell you a story. I have a, uh, I've had a lot of bosses in my life. One of the best, his name was Farron Pratt, and he was the president of First Dakota National Bank in Vermillion, South Dakota. I worked there as a teller and personal banker for a couple years. Um, I'd been there for about a year, and I had never seen Farron step behind a teller counter, Okay. Why would he? He's the president. He has more important things to do. They pay me less money to stand there behind the teller counter, right? That's my job, not his. I'd never seen him behind one. And then one day, one of First Dakota's biggest clients, not humanly biggest, but financially biggest, okay? One of their biggest clients walks in, and he is mad. And that's unlike him. It was uncharacteristic because this guy usually was very happy, um, loved First Dakota, loved coming in. And so when he walks in mad, you know there's something wrong. And he walks up to my counter, my window, and he explains there's a problem. He had some complex transactions to take care of, and he demanded Farron. I'm nervous, right? Like, this is above my pay grade. And so (laughs) I look over to Farron's office and he's no longer in his office. He is right beside me. He had already seen this guy, what was happening. And before the guy demanded he get over there, he was already next to me. And he kindly said, Eric, can you step aside? And I stepped back and Farron stepped up to the counter. He ran all the transactions perfectly. He Politely apologized to this guy. He offered solutions for the issues that I didn't even know we could do. Maybe we weren't supposed to, but he did, right? I couldn't. He stepped in and that guy walked away happy. Now I'll tell you this I had always been grateful to have a branch president in the office down the way because I knew if I was in trouble, I could appeal to him, right? There was a wholly different kind of joy when I knew that that guy wasn't just a guy who sat in the office pushing papers. He was a guy who could step into my place and do for me things I could not do on my own. Farron was a good boss and a good leader and I was grateful that he was there for the first year, but man, I served him joyfully and I worked hard for him joyfully after that experience with that client that day, because I knew he knew what I was going through. I knew he was familiar with who I was and what I was sent to do. Folks, I would say that our joy in Jesus is similar on a whole nother level, right? Because Jesus is not the kind of God that sits in a far-off office pushing papers that we only appeal to when we have a problem. Jesus is a God who is with us. He entered into flesh and lived among us. That means he knows what you're going through. He's acquainted with your struggles. He's experienced the same kind of struggle. Jesus is God with us. It's his name, Emmanuel, God with us. There is joy in serving that kind of God and there is no other God like Jesus who has done that like he did. I I just wanna pause here and say, if you're sitting in this room right now and you think, man, I don't know about this God thing, I don't know, I might believe that there is something out there, but I just don't know if we can know it. I'm just unsure. If that's you today, I want you to hear what the angel said on the day that Jesus was born. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all peoples, for unto you is born this day in the city of David, a savior who is Christ the Lord. The angel said that Jesus is God with us. You can know him and he knows you. There is joy in that good news, amen? Okay, so the first thing I think we observe, this great joy found in the good news, I think is that Jesus is God with us. But there's one more thing I wanna look at Um, I think Jesus is not just God with us. Jesus is God for us. Okay. The angel said, unto you is born this day a savior, a savior. Now, Jesus' dad, Joseph, um, when he found out that Jesus' mom, Mary, was pregnant, um, he wasn't happy. Remember, they were in that kind of, Doug described it last week kind of dating, sort of engaged, certainly not married, but committed uh, to marriage, kind of awkward relationship. And when Joseph heard that Mary was pregnant, that's not good, because he knows this baby's not mine. But in the book of Matthew, we see that an angel appeared to Joseph also. And this is what the angel said to him to calm his fears. Matthew chapter 1, Joseph, the angel says, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Why? For he will save you his people from their sins. The angel said, unto you is born this day a savior. What kind of savior is Jesus? He's the kind of savior that saves people from their sin. Whatever you've done wrong, Jesus can save. Wherever you're broken, Jesus can save. Whatever you're addicted to, Jesus can save. However you've been hurt, Jesus can save. Whatever you've lost, Jesus can save. Whatever... Marriage or relationship you're in that's breaking, Jesus can save. Wherever your kids have gone, as far as they've run away from Jesus, Jesus can save. The loved ones that you think you've lost, Jesus can save. However, you're hurting, Jesus can save. The angel said, For unto you is born this day a Savior. He will save the people from their sins. God did not step into this world to condemn us in our sin and leave us there. He entered this world to free us from sin, to save us from sin. God is not against us. He is for us. And that is good news of great joy. This gospel of Jesus Christ of mega joy is that Jesus is both with us and for us. Amen? Amen. All right. I started today by asking you a question. Where do you find joy? And I set up these categories. You remember them? We can find joy in what the world has to offer or we can find joy in what the creator of the world has to offer I'm afraid if I end here, I will not have gotten tangible enough. I think if I were sitting there, I'd say, all right, Eric, I hear the words that you said, but if Jesus created the world and you look for joy in the world, isn't that the same as looking for joy in him? What's the difference? What are you even talking about? How would I do that? right? And so I want to end here um, by getting real with you and telling you about my personal search for joy in just the last few months, okay? Um, So I started off with my wife, I'm gonna end with my wife and tell you about my pursuit of joy in our marriage, okay? Um, Sarah and I have been married for 10 years. Let me tell you the road that we've been on. Year one was awesome in so many ways. But it was challenging because we were learning to communicate. How do we talk to each other? Um, We're from two different families that have different backgrounds and now we're making a new one. And so we had to learn how to communicate, how to deal with conflict, how to establish new family rhythms. And so year one was an awesome, exciting, joyful, challenging learning year for us, right? But... Years two and three were a breeze because we put in the work in year one. It was awesome. Well, then year four comes along and things had changed. Uh, we had added a kid to our family and bought a house, and so we had to relearn, to reshape those family rhythms. We had to refigure out who are you and who am I in this new world, and in that new world, we found a new normal. And if I'm gonna be honest, It's been a lot of fun riding that new normal from year four for the last six years into year 10. It's gone well. God's blessed us. But in the last six years, a lot's happened, right? We've added three more kids and a dog to our family. We sold a little house on the west end and bought a bigger house on the east end. I changed jobs from an IT company in Omaha to a church plant in Council Bluffs. That came with different responsibilities, different timelines, a different church family. And all those things have been good. But in the last six years, we've grown as individuals, but the way we've done marriage has largely stayed the same. Okay, And so I started, you you guys, I've told you this before, I'm the more emotional one in our relationship, Right? Uh, she's the thinker, I'm the feeler. And so I started sensing this first. Hey, the way we're doing marriage, like the joy that we've had for so long, it's not gone. It's just harder to come by. We're doing different things. Life has changed and that joy that we've always had, it's just harder to find, right? And so um, I call up one of my old pastor friends And I explain what I'm thinking and feeling and seeing. And I say, I I just want to rekindle the joy of our marriage. And then I pop the question, so how do I get Sarah to realize this and change? (laughs) Right? (laughs) You see what I did there? You see where I'm looking for joy? Uh, How do I get Sarah to change? And what he said to me, Uh, was a little annoying. He says, Eric, Sarah might need to change, but you can't start there. You need to take this to Jesus. And I thought, well, that's a helpless pastor answer, right? (laughs) Kind of frustrated with that. Um, So I'm going to seek a second opinion. Maybe I just didn't say it clearly enough. Uh, He didn't get it. So I talked to Doug. Doug's a pastor. We sit across the office from each other. Doug. I talked to this guy. He didn't know what he was doing. And so I'm going to tell you this story. So I walked Doug through all the same things. It's what I'm feeling, thinking, seeing. Um, how do I get Sarah to change? And Doug says something really pastoral and Doug-like, which he's really good at. And he says, Eric, Sarah can't give you what you're looking for. You need to take this to Jesus. And I thought, on it. <laughs> Probably don't need to seek a third opinion on this, but... If I'm serious, if I'm honest with you, I'm a pastor. And when both of them said that, my first thought was, I don't even know what that means. I don't know. How do you do that? Take this to Jesus? What does it look like to lay your marriage at the feet of Jesus? If I'm looking for joy in my marriage, I'm married to Sarah. Shouldn't I talk to her about this? I don't even know how to do what you're saying. I'm a pastor. So, since I didn't have any deep spiritual answer, I didn't know what to do, I went basic and I decided I'm just going to pray. Every time I think about my wife, I'm just going to pray for her and for our marriage and for me. And since I think about her at least once every 10 minutes or so on a slow day, um, I ended up praying for us far more than I ever have in the history of our marriage, throughout the day, constantly, man. God, would you just show me how to love my wife more? God, would you knit our marriage and our hearts together so that it is an example of your love for the church and a picture of the gospel for the world? God, would you give us joy in our marriage? I start praying this constantly throughout the day. And I want you to know, I want to tell you the truth here. God is with us. Because as I started praying that, he answered. And What he began to show me was that when I take the pressure off my wife to give me the kind of joy that only Jesus can give, I actually get a lot more joy in her and in Jesus. When I look for my joy in him rather than in her, I get more joy in both of them. He, I prayed and he actually responded. He is with us and he is for us. Because in the last few weeks, I tend to inject a lot of drama into our relationship, which is why I can't handle Gilmore Girls, right? I'm enough on my own. I don't need all of them. But God is for us. And we've had the best conversations about how to study each other again how to learn about each other again, how to love and encourage and put on display the gospel in our relationship again. In the last three weeks, that's been better than it's been in the last six years. God is with us and God is for us. The joy in our marriage has grown as it's taken deeper roots in the joy of Jesus. When our joy is rooted in Jesus, our joy everywhere else grows bigger, okay? See, like, the angel announced the good news of great joy. Um, So I would ask you again, where do you look for joy? I want to challenge you today, especially at Christmas, there are all kinds of places to look for joy. Right? There are gifts, food, relationships, Starbucks Christmas blend, a Christmas (laughs) bonus, whatever. And most of those things actually give you joy. But none of them, not one, can match joy in Jesus Christ. Your options are so much better than anything that walks down the streets of Stars Hollow. Okay? That's Gilmore Girls again. So here's, here's the challenge, okay? This is what I want to end with. See, like, could we be a church that this Christmas roots our joy in Jesus, seeks our joy in Jesus, and finds our joy in Jesus? Could we be that kind of church? Because when the angel announced good news of great joy. He announced the coming of the gospel of Jesus Christ, one of mega joy that would be for all peoples, both us in this room and those outside these doors. Can we be that kind of church this Christmas? That's my prayer.